So how, what, what is happening to the baby? So scientifically, when a miscarriage happens, and then I want you to act, answer what could possibly happen to the mother. I read that a mother can get a special type of like blood pressure where it can cause them to get a stroke. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't learn that. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a painful experience. I can imagine all the things that are going wrong. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. So just talk, let's talk, let's talk about the science about it. Yeah. Okay. So if we talk about miscarriages, um, and first of all, start off by giving the, the strict definition of a miscarriage. So, so miscarriage is a natural termination of a pregnancy that occurs anywhere from zero weeks to 23 weeks and six days. And that's in the UK. So I think every country has their own threshold for or cutoff point for at what point it's no longer considered um, a miscarriage. And there are a variety of different reasons why a miscarriage might occur or why the, the a natural termination um, of a pregnancy might occur. And we can we can go through those each and, and kind of look at look at those ones. But then I also just want to say that there are actually also a huge number of reasons why miscarriages can occur and we don't actually know. And I think in these cases, for the women themselves, um, it's the most frustrating and difficult one to deal with. When you don't have a definitive answer for anything, it's really difficult to be able to deal with. But I think where miscarriage is, is something that is, is hugely sensitive, um, not being given an answer as to why it's happened and then not knowing what you can do in the future to reduce those, those chances um, just makes it even more difficult to deal with, right? Um, so, so there isn't always an answer. But sometimes there is, and we can go through some of those. Um, so in general, I want to say that a miscarriage usually occurs when there is a complication that means that the pregnancy either isn't or, and wasn't viable um, or that impedes the growth of the pregnancy. So something like a genetic abnormality can cause um, a miscarriage. And usually when there's a genetic abnormality, it means that the um, pregnancy wasn't viable, which means that it, it was never going to survive um, to, be, to create a fully functioning, grown, healthy baby. Um, and so either this can mean that the genetic abnormalities would lead to heart defects. And so the heart never develops properly and the circulation therefore um, is, is um, compromised and so the baby cannot develop or abnormalities in the brain uh, which means that the baby cannot develop properly and so essentially at some point the growth stops to continue and once once the growing baby essentially is no longer alive your body recognizes that and will nat naturally remove the pregnancy and so that will come out as a miscarriage. Um, and in those instances, I think it's every miscarriage is really difficult for a woman. In those instances, um, it is a, an abnormality that would have meant that the baby would have never made it to full term uh, and would have never come out a healthy functioning baby. Um, but every, even though, you know, you can tell yourself that this was never going to be, I still feel that every miscarriage is really difficult for a woman um, to deal with. 
The second one that we can touch on is hormonal related problems. Um, and this one usually occurs, the, the frequency of, of hormonal related issues um, is higher in people who have irregular periods. So your periods are regulated by fluctuations in different hormones that happens at different times throughout your cycle. And like this synchrony um, will lead to different events. So when your egg is released, um, when you have shedding of your, um, of your uterus lining, which is what a period is and things like that. And those hormones being in good synchrony means essentially that your hormones are being released at the right time. Yeah. When they aren't released in good synchrony, it means that you have really irregular periods. Well, that's how it shows up. But it yeah. towards this idea that there is an issue with the, the release and the synchrony of different hormones. When you become pregnant, your body still relies on release of certain hormones in order to maintain the pregnancy. Um, and so if you are someone who already has an issue with the synchrony of different hormones, and this issue continues when you have a pregnancy, then what it means is that the, the fetus doesn't develop properly. And so you are at risk or at higher risk of a miscarriage. Um, so if you are someone who has really irregular periods or um, particularly painful periods or abnormalities in your menstrual cycle in general, then I would really encourage you to investigate that with a gynecologist to see how that might affect fertility and to see how that might affect pregnancy as well. Um, just so that you can, be in a position where you are already informed of, of um, what might occur um, trying to get pregnant and becoming pregnant. Blood circulation issue uh, issues is also something that can occur in, um, in pregnancies. So people who might be at a higher risk of developing blood clots or um, a really high blood pressure, anything that affects circulation um, can affect a pregnancy because the growing baby relies on a good supply of blood because that's how it gets oxygen, right? So if you form a blood clot that then reduces the blood supply to um, a child um, or to, to a growing baby or to your pregnancy, then this can essentially cause um, the pregnancy to, to die and then your body will expel it in a miscarriage once it recognizes that the pregnancy has been terminated. Um, and so if there are any signs that something has changed within your pregnancy, I would really encourage people to absolutely follow their instincts and follow up on that change, whether that would be um, that you previously felt um, movement and then you no longer felt movement. Um, any sign that that you feel that your pregnancy is declining in its health, I would investigate that because like we've discussed, it could be a variety of reasons, but that could also be circulatory issues. And if it is a circulation issue, then that might be something that's reversible. Um, and so can be saved. Whereas something like genetic abnormalities cannot really be saved. Right. Um, and then also things um, that can arise like infections so infections, when it's just you, you know, it's up to your immune system to be able to fight it. When you have um, a pregnancy with a developing immune system, an infection might be something that's, that's a lot more dangerous in, in those cases. Um, and your own immune system while you are pregnant is, is, is um, 
is also dampened because what you don't want is for your body to recognize your pregnancy as something foreign and attack it. So your immune system kind of relaxes a little bit so that it doesn't attack the pregnancy. And so you yourself now are more vulnerable if an infection occurs and the baby is also really vulnerable because its immune system is obviously developing. Um, So something like a serious infection can both cause fatality of the pregnancy and fatality for the pregnant woman themselves. So there are lots and lots of different reasons why miscarriages can occur and they are surprisingly common. They occur in about one in four pregnancies, so 25%, but just because they're common and just because there are a lot of scientific reasons for why they happen doesn't mean that it's any more easy for a woman to deal with. I think it's always difficult and always tragic But I think at least having an understanding of how prevalent they are and having an understanding of why sometimes they can occur, especially from a younger age before you're already in the thick of your pregnancy, might be something that helps to manage expectations and might be something that helps you to understand that if it does happen, that you're certainly not the only one. Shirley Becker, man, again, with the dope, concise, concrete, scientific explanations. I'm telling you, you need to get in the classroom. Whenever you get that first million dollars, I want you to just go to my school. You know, all I need you to do is just be a substitute for just a couple of weeks. I promise you'll be amazing. It's like, no, I'm just playing. But, uh, that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of ambiguity. You know, it's just a, it's a lot of... So where do we fall short in sex education, you know, with learning and understanding this? I think we fall short, at least in the UK, I can speak on, because that's where I've received sex education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely all fronts, to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, raise the roof for that one. You got to raise the roof for that one. Because there's, no, there's some people that don't even get it. So the fact that you got it, <laughs> there's yeah there, there are some people who never who never receive sex education right and i think a lot of people have the classic experience of like scientifically this is what sex is sex can result in pregnancy and wear a condom end of story as if it's taboo people are not going to engage and i think the more we shy away from sex education the more that people will engage in sex incorrectly right but even just to speak really quickly on because i think at school sex education is is targeted at preventing people from having sex i think the way they teach sex education is like don't do it don't do it don't do it but if you do wear a condom because you will get pregnant because you will get pregnant and i wonder to what extent sending out that message subconsciously allows women to grow up with this idea that you should get pregnant as soon as you have sex. And then when they do grow up and they start to, well, they they presumably would have had sex already, but when they do grow up and they start to try to have a family, when they don't immediately fall pregnant, they start thinking that something is wrong with them or, or that they are one of the only women who struggles to get pregnant. And I really wonder to what extent, like the way we teach sex education gives women this false perception that pregnancy is something that automatically occurs when you try when actually it's really difficult to get pregnant because your fertile window is actually only once you ovulate which is a very small window within a month but that's even if everything else is perfect 
Then there are people who have irregular periods. Then there are people who suffer from PCOS and don't actually produce mature eggs all the time. And there are so many other complications that go into place. So, so I really wonder, apart from the fact that we do sex education a disservice, the way we speak about it, whether that feeds into the misconceptions people have around being able to get pregnant. But yeah, that's just a side thing. <laughs> Always comes down to the teacher, right? I remember when I was first learning about HIV and mm-hmm. everything, how you can get it from blood transfusions. Mm-hmm. And I thought that if you touch somebody's blood, then you got HIV. Like that is how, but I think you're right. It's just like the per- the intent is not intentional or genuine, if that makes any sense, right? The intent is like, don't do it for religious purposes. Don't do it because, you know, like yeah. that's never explicitly said, right? Yeah. It's just don't do it. Yeah. And, and like, what, what does reverse psychology do? Every time you tell me you don't do it, I'm going to want to do it, you know? So obviously, and if I'm not really listening to you, I'm going to do it the wrong way. And yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I think we really need to move away from sex education being a way to scare people. Just teach them as much as possible so that they have access to all the correct information to make wise decisions. Um, and I definitely think that sex education should encompass um, things like infections, but not just sexually transmitted infections, because sexual education is about reproductive health and and genital health in general as well. So the genital infections that aren't sexually transmitted, because again, right. to what extent, when they do say wear a condom because you can get an infection, it gives people this perception that any infection of the genitals came because you had lots and lots and lots of dirty sex. You break down for one, it only takes sexual contact with one person that's infected. Um, if it is a sexually transmitted disease to get it yourself. So this idea that like the people who have sexually transmitted diseases or infections are the people who've had the most sex. It can be a virgin that has sex for the first time with someone who has an infection, but then it's the infection, right? But apart from that, there are a huge number of infections that don't occur um, from sexual transmission, but actually just because you've done something that's changed the balance of like the microorganisms that live in or on your genitals. So if we speak for women, because I'm interested in OBGYN, for example, um, so vaginas are supposed to have bacteria and uh, fungus um, microorganisms living in them. And they live kind of in like a good balance with each other to keep a pH um, at around 4.4, which is like a little bit acidic essentially. And when you change that balance for any reason, then one of them grows, outgrows the other. And this is how you can get common infections, including uh, bacterial vaginosis, so BV, or something like thrush. So um, I made a video once on vaginal infections, and I kind of put a preview on my Instagram story. And I got quite a few males, actually, that said, yeah, Shirley, you need to tell those women about their stinky... about their stinky vaginas because they don't know how to take care of themselves they need to learn how to wash and clean and i was i wasn't surprised by that reaction because a lot of people think like if you've got an infection you're dirty whereas something like thrush the people who get thrush are the people who use soaps who do who wash too much and get rid of the bacteria and so now what you have is an overgrowth of fungus Mm. and it's that that leads to yeast infection 
Um, so, and then the opposite is true for bacterial vaginosis. If you do a lot to get rid of the, the fungus, then you get an overgrowth of bacteria and that's why it's called bacterial vaginosis. Um, so I really want to sort of shoot down a lot of these misconceptions, but I think that should start from sex education. Otherwise you get a generation that grows up thinking any infection of the genitals is sexual and, and people are dirty if they have them. It's like, no, you can literally have a course of antibiotics to treat an infection of your, of your gums. And that can give you thrush because the antibiotics will also kill the bacterial bacteria in your vagina. And so once you've killed those, then you get thrush, um, then you get, sorry, sorry, fungus overgrowth and thrush. And so I really want to contribute towards, um, you know, dispelling myths. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like education could have solved so many things. Like the scientific method could have solved this whole COVID problem. Like we would have, if we understood the scientific method, we would have mm. understood, like we would have had just so much, just, just, just grace with all these scientists this year. And the same thing with sex ed, you know, it, but I think also we don't teach that science is, isn't perfect, you know, like science is mm. ever growing and it's only as good as the most recent paper. Right. Mm. Um, and you have to always update depending on the times because the times change and yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Thank you. No, I think what you said is completely valid. And I think to be honest, that perhaps people should make a concerted effort to be more transparent about the fact that science isn't perfect. Because I think sometimes scientists don't really want to admit that it's perfect in fear of making people mistrust them. But I think actually it's doing, it's having the opposite effect. People acting like science is always right. Science is always perfect. And then later on down the line, we find out that something went wrong or someone was wrong is exactly what feeds into people's mistrust. So I think if we were all just more transparent about what we, what we understand, I won't say what we know, what we understand as facts and what we are still researching or what potentially, like we couldn't have, we maybe haven't considered, sorry, then people would trust it a bit more, you know? Um, but yeah, I do think that maybe there is an issue with the transparency of, of how much we, we don't know sometimes or the fact that science isn't perfect, as you said. What's some cool YouTube uh, videos you got coming up? Ooh, um, so I actually want to make a video. I'm, I'm really excited about making this video because so far I think I've um, focused a lot on gynecology kind of, kind of related things, but I'm not forgetting the obstetrics. And I want to focus on postpartum um, mental disorders because I think oh. mental health is something that's really interesting. Because I think as much as we are moving into a space where we are considering mental health more and more and more, I do still think that it still isn't being treated on par with physical health by any means. Yeah. And the brain is so fragile and susceptible to changes if there are any chemicals, any hormones, any, anything around that can bind to receptors in our brain and change our, our cognition. And so in a way, mental health is, there is a physical basis to mental health when it, when it comes to looking like at our, our brain or zooming into our brains. Um, so they are very real um, within 
after pregnancy. There's postpartum depression that people know about, but there's also something called baby blues. There's also something called postpartum psychosis, where you get psychotic symptoms. Um, and so I, I want to make a video to break those, those down and investigate those. Yeah, that's dope. That's really dope. That's really dope. Excellent. You, you are definitely a pioneer. You solving all the problems that, that is definitely necessary. And I think that's why we get along so much because we just want to problem solve, right? We want to take our expertise and yeah. take it to the world. So mm -hmm. what's the cool things or other things you got coming up and then where can they find you again, Ms. Becker? Okay, so in terms of anything that I've got coming up, so everything really related to obstetrics and gynecology, I probably have on my list somewhere that I want to like investigate. So apart from the postpartum um, mental health disorders, I also just want to look at different types of pregnancy complications such as preeclampsia or gestational diabetes or whatever. Um, but in terms of where you can find that, youtube.com slash Shirley Becker, so just my full name is the platform where I strictly stick to science stuff um and that's where i would recommend you go if that's if that's what you're interested in and then before we close i actually have a question about just the uh the postpartum what you know that that concept what is the i guess the science behind like when you're learning about it what are they telling you like the causes of that yeah so again when it comes to anything to do with uh mental health the way we think the way we speak the way we operate in any way um, it all comes down to neuroscience and the neurology of our brain and how different things communicate different parts of our brains communicate with each other um, and there are particular areas of our brain that's responsible for mood um, and so these these, these moods are under the control of different hormones. So I think a lot of people have heard of the hormone called serotonin, for example, and your levels of serotonin can affect your mood. But then there are also other hormones um, that aren't strictly in the brain, but released elsewhere in your body for other reasons that can actually affect your levels of hormones that are important for, for your mood and in your brain. So if we speak about serotonin, we know that if you have low serotonin levels, you experience a low mood, right? But then what some people might not know is that the hormone estrogen is something that has been, is being actually currently researched on the links of estrogen and its effects on your levels of serotonin. Now, estrogen is a hormone that's prevalent in the female reproductive system. And going from being pregnant to then suddenly not being pregnant, there will be a huge fluctuation in your estrogen levels. And so it's unsurprising then that that can have an impact on your mood. So in terms of like why these things occur, it all comes down to fluctuation in hormone levels and that the then either directly impacts um, the areas in your brain responsible for mood or indirectly impact the areas by interacting with other hormones and changing their levels so that's why i say like although it's mental health there's a physical basis that's going on there are actually chemicals that are causing these changes in your mood and it's not just that you're crazy or that you know that you're you're exaggerating that physically there is something going on to, to cause these symptoms so i think yeah when it comes to these things it's important to to recognize them um, and and address them and not feel just because there are, you aren't physically dying to, to, to not feel that there's a reason to, to address it. So if I like quickly just bullet point, something like baby blues is something that occurs 
<clears throat> really early after giving birth. And this is something that it gives you mild depressive symptoms and re will resolve itself within a matter of a few days. So this is like less of an emergency. And then everyone is quite familiar with postpartum depression. Um, and this can occur from two weeks up to four weeks after giving birth. And this is a more moderate low level depressive symptoms that can occur. And if you are experiencing that, there are actual drugs that you can be prescribed to intervene. So um, maybe something like selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors to make sure that the serotonin levels don't drop. Um, so antidepressants in general. Um, and then the good thing about going to the doctor is that they can make sure that whatever you're taking is safe. If you're breastfeeding safe after you've just given birth and all of this stuff. And then I think less commonly known postpartum uh, psychosis in which people experience psychotic symptoms, symptoms of mania, and then symptoms of depression as well. And so they might start actually having auditory and visual hallucinations um, and like psychotic episodes essentially, and mania having like racing thoughts and being really fidgety, having a high heart rate, and then depressive symptoms, so a low mood. And if you're experiencing that, which can occur sort of in the first two weeks after giving birth, it's actually considered a, an, um, a medical emergency. And so that's definitely something that you shouldn't ignore if you're having hallucinations, if you're having mania after giving birth, because the longer you leave it, the more it worsens and it can worsen up to a point where you end up harming yourself mm. or harming the baby. So there are people who've experienced this mental disorder and gone on to, to kill their, their baby. Um, but it was a mental disorder. So yeah, I definitely think that people should be aware so that they don't just think, I must just be crazy. You know, there is something actually going on and something you can do about it. Do you think that's like a, the same science as it relates to animals who eat their babies? I think when animals eat their babies, people have investigated this also and written scientific papers and teach about this also. Um, when animals <laughs> eat their babies, I think there are actually other things that, that go on, um, especially because animals, animals that aren't domesticated live in a very, we, they function in a very, all we need to do is make sure that we put out babies so we continue a progeny um, and do the best we can to make sure that the baby is viable, survives and is strong to carry on the progeny even further. And so animals have this instinct of if their baby is born, so a hamster, for example, I'll say an example that's true for a hamster. If the baby is born and their baby um, makes contact with someone other than the mother up until a certain age, then there is an instinctual response within the mother hamster that that baby is then harmed in a way that they are no longer viable and that they're no longer going to grow up to be strong and pass on the genes. And so in that instance, the mother sees it as more advantageous to just eat the baby hamster rather than let it continue to grow and not be strong and viable. So with animals, there's a whole different, um, there's a whole different mechanism going on, but I, <laughs> yeah. I would say that animals operate in a very more pre-programmed way <laughs> than, than humans do because humans can communicate. They have, yeah. they have different areas of their brain that 
that is responsible for reasoning in a completely different way. We, we act like that as humans, though, sometimes. Like, we don't eat our kids, but we treat our kids like, you're the strongest kid, you're the weakest kid. Yeah, yeah. Like this kid. Mm-hmm. And it probably does the same thing, but that's a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. I am super, super blessed to have Shirley Becker, the Shirley Becker, coming through with all the science knowledge. She's going to be the best OBGYN in not only the UK, in the world because she not only knows the science but she has an amazing heart that's going to touch everybody and i just again i appreciate you coming on the podcast blessing me girl you do not understand i need to get you in the classroom (laughs) thank you so much for having me again honestly it's an honor every time we communicate so thank you for the opportunity and the platform was it was it better than the second time or was it just his own little thing yeah, both of them are their own unique experiences because we cover different topics. So, um, but obviously, where I'm super interested in OBGYN things, this is like this is the direction I want my life to go in. So, this was particularly exciting for me. So, so next time I want to get you on in another healthcare professional, and we should do some more. Like you know, like I would love to for you to feature one of like your postpartum uh, like that that video and just like talk about. Yeah. when you did it what was the reaction then maybe have somebody else come on and talk about maybe something i would love that would you be yeah. interested in that that would be really fun i would love that to dive into like one topic deeply that yep. might help a lot of people i would love to bet 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 well i appreciate you so much miss becker always blessing me i know it's like seven o'clock over there so make sure you get some rest please uh y'all don't, y'all don't y'all don't celebrate Martin Luther king day right no. Oh man, <laughs> R.P. Martin the King. But, go ahead. What'd you say? We don't specifically celebrate it. There might be some schools that would particularly recognize it, got but it. it's not like a, a national. Got it. Got it. Got it. I thought she had a three-day weekend like we did, but it's all good. Make sure you get some rest today. What do you got planned for tomorrow? Sorry. I said, what do you have planned for tomorrow? Probably just another day of studying. <laughs> it's like every day looks pretty much the same and they all kind of blend into one, but it's fine. We've got to do it to qualify, right? So Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Just make sure you just, you know, get on Clubhouse just a little bit just so you can, you know, <laughs> relax and then get back to studying. Definitely, 100%. Absolutely. Do y'all do like study groups on Clubhouse? Have y'all like, have you met any? No, but I'd be interested if they did. I, I would probably join if they did and we were studying the same sort of topics. I'd probably join that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, you know, that I was in this one group where it was like a... It was a scenario room where it was like a specific medical profile and all the doctors were like saying what they would do after this, after this, after this, after that. You know that's, what I'm talking about? That's pretty sick. Yeah, I can yeah. imagine would be just like a, a patient presents with this blah, they yeah. have this, they're allergic to this medicine blah, blah 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 like what's the first thing you would do and how would you manage it it yeah. sounds like the exam i'm gonna have to take as final so i would probably join those rooms so i can like pick up a few gems yeah absolutely absolutely did i show you the good news that i got no i don't think so it depends on what the good news is but oh, it's great news now but um so i got um so i'm certified to teach science in michigan but now i um uh, i'm certified to teach math now so i'm going to be teaching uh like math and calculus and all that stuff so, so you yourself are a progeny of like all sciences and maths that's awesome yeah for sure yeah physics is like my love and i, mm-hmm. I, you know, I love math but yeah yeah that's why i can have this conversation with you and like just 
appreciate everything you're saying because it's, it's congratulations that's so awesome yeah 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 so i just want to share that with you i appreciate the love and um yeah we're gonna we're gonna keep working i want to put you on the platform that you deserve to be on and again all i need is 25 cents just give me the quarter <laughs> and i'll be straight okay be straight with the quarter all right <laughs> no worries. once i get my million you'll get your quarter all right i'm gonna hold you to that i'm gonna hold you to that all right i'm gonna hold you to that bet, bet, bet. all right then miss Shirley Brecker, thank you so much for coming on t simple podcast peace out thank you bye bye <laughs>